building walls with the mind. So that can happen in lots of different ways, and it's just a metaphor for what we tend to do when we shut something out we don't want to feel, or turn away from something that's bothersome, or turn away from something that's confusing. We create some kind of a blind or some kind of a patina we put, or coating, or layer, or we cover over. <clears throat> Excuse me, the, the translation of the Heart Sutra is uh, uh, without walls of the mind, muke geko, which was... Uh, did you chant that tonight? Without walls of the mind, isn't that what it said? See, I can't remember some stuff. So the idea there, that metaphor, is meant to help us see the way, just use that, use anything, uh, cover something, close something off, block something, build a wall, build a... And what is that, in the mind, what is that wall made of? Concepts, ideas, positions opinions, judgments. We tend to overdo it. There's nothing wrong with a judgment about something, seeing, well, should I, you know, when we, if, we, if you were cooking, you would d determine whether something had, through your perception, through whether something had been on the stove long enough or if it was done. So we're always making some kind of evaluation or judgment just in our everyday life. The issue comes when there's some kind of hope for something better, or fear of something worse, we tend to overdo the conceptualization part. And so therefore, it's actually you actually miss your life by doing this. You have an artificial life built on structures and ideas and, and opinions and beliefs. And we all know someone, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's in the mirror. But we all know someone who's, who's always backing away from their life, not willing to just live fully, completely, totally, thoroughly, fearlessly, Would that be good to be able to live like that? Wouldn't it be good to be able to every day get up and go into your life or go as your life or have your life, if it's coming towards you, to completely receive whatever happened with no comment, no judgment, no alter, alternation, alteration, altercation, <clears throat> all the other alters? How do we do that? How can we live completely, fully, genuinely out of our heart, not out of our thinking process? This is a tool. It's like trying to eat with a pair of pliers. Stop it. You've probably tried that. Long nose work best, especially if you're picking up peas one at a time. <clears throat> So in order to work with that, we have to first see, this is what meditation is about. Meditation is not about feeling better. It's not about being calm or peaceful. I'm not saying that couldn't be a, a sideline you'd pick up along the way, but the fundamental situation about meditation practice, as I teach it here, and as it's taught other places, is to look right at the negativity. Don't go this way, don't go that way. Look right at it until you fundamentally see what it is. The first thing you'll begin to see is how much it's like a wall. It's like a web. It's like a, a, a scrim, a crisscross, warp and woof pattern that keeps you from living, keeps you from seeing what is trying to, what is pounding on the door all the time. Your heart's desire is waiting at the door. I don't mean to be romantic. Paint some kind of poetic image about it. Buddhism is a, is a path, it's a spiritual path where you can use the constructs that have been and the teaching that has come down through the centuries, 2,500 years, that are basically saying, 
you need to look at this. You need to see who this is, this imputed identity of a self, this subjectivity that is so concerned about being protected, not being offended, getting ahead, making sure you get credit, make sure nobody abuses you. And don't misunderstand, I'm not validating abuse of any kind. So in order to be fearless, you have to first look at the fear. And fearlessness does not necessarily mean you don't have fear. It's just the way you work with that is you don't accept it, you don't reject it, you don't look away. Not easy. It's just, it's practically a knee-jerk reaction to run away from fear, to look away, to hide from it. But you have to start somewhere. So start, we're looking at little bitty pieces of fear. How do you find those? Sit down, hold still, look at the wall. You'll have plenty to work with, especially if you do enough of it. Not a half an hour every three days, not even an hour a day, more. And why do I say that? Because that first few, first hour or so, you can become a good, what, meditator. You can, you can even tell your friends, you know, I meditated, now I'm more relaxed, I'm more peaceful, I'm, I'm not quite so worried. It's not wrong. It's fine. Do that. But if you want to go to the core, to the root of this situation that's been going on lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, here you are again. Here I am again. Then it seems to be necessary uh, to, what, go to the root of it. And what is the root? Find out. If we're all standing around looking at a tree, you say, what is the root? I say, well, it's kind of hard to see right now since the tree is, all the leaves are in the air. I think there's only one place in the world where the roots are in the air. I think that's in South America. I've talked about that before. There's one tree down there. There might be two or three. Which has decided to screw this. All the other trees can put their leaves in the air. I'm putting mine underground. I'm putting my roots in the air. I'm lying, of course. There's no such thing. <laughs> So the interesting thing about this, when we do this, uh, this building a wall, this kind of protecting ourselves, uh, something happens. So one of the simple ways of talking about this is we're doing something, somebody says something in the other room, or we hear something that someone says or does that affects us personally in some way, or as, a, what does the saying go, it rattles our cage a little bit. Uh, we, instead of just receiving that feeling, we, we want to cover it up with what? With blaming the person for how we feel? Well, I wouldn't feel this way. Or you make me feel like this or this. A friend of mine, I just got an uh, email from someone who was talking about that, that whole idea of, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, to not taking responsibility for how, what you think and what you feel. And what is responsibility? It's not blame. It's not credit. It's the ability to respond right out of this. Not out of your gut, which is fear. Not out of your head, which is paranoia. In, in the extreme, but right out of your heart. There's no thinking going, going on here. And it's not necessarily sentimentality. It may, you may operate out of this and not, it not even be particularly emotional at all. So one of the things that happens when we build these walls, when we, when we add on, we do the math, we, something happens instead of just receiving it, instead of just giving out of the generosity that comes from here, our attention to what that is, so you can see what it is. Instead, we, it triggers something or something comes up and we start to judge, we start to blame, we start to credit for that matter. We do anything with that but see it for what it actually is. And if that uh, has a small, strong emotional dynamic to it, what will happen is instead of the emotion doing what it would fundamentally do, we're human beings, we're going to have emotions, it would come up, you would see it, you would feel it, you would feel its texture, you would feel it, whether it was coarse or smooth or rough or whatever it was, you'd feel that, you'd li be living your life, you'd be meeting everything where it was at, and it would, it would just dissolve because nothing lasts. But what appears to last is what we call fixation. 
And where does fixation come from? Concepts. Taking something that has an emotional dynamic to it, or could have a, a thinking dynamic also, and covering with something, and it just turns to concrete. And that's where the fixation comes from. And that's why you can't get rid of uh, emotions. <laughs> Even if you cover them over with your judgments, your ideas, your concepts, your uh, predeterminations, prejudice, etc. Notice I pronounced it etc., not etc. So, stand corrected. When I was very young, I would look at that abbreviation ETC, and I thought that meant elect. So every time I read it, I would say, elect, 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 until someone corrected me. So don't miss your life. Actually, have a willingness. And the sitting practice of meditation will help you do that. You don't have to be a Buddhist. I think it helps because you align yourself with other people who are doing the same thing, and you... You're able to take the teachings that have been handed down through the traditions, through the lineages, down through the centuries. <clears throat> Not everyone teaching this uh, kind of situation is uh, uh, particularly uh, in such good shape. So be very careful, as we've seen recently in the news. Be careful. Don't believe anybody or anything. Don't believe me. Don't believe a word I say. Don't believe anything that comes into your mind. And don't disbelieve it. Interesting. Don't believe it. It's true. Don't disbelieve it. Well, that can't be true. And don't look away. Well, who cares? I'll look away. I don't know. That's confusing. I'm just not going to look at it. Live your life. Meet your life right where it's at as it's coming to you. Anything that's coming towards you is your life. And I'm not saying accept it. Don't do anything with it. No manipulation at all. If you do anything with it, you actually add to the separation that is the illusion of samsara or the constant wheel of life and death. You add on to the separation. You, you reify, you substantiate, you build a, an actual substrate under it called what? Fixation or belief. Don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. Don't look away. Not easy. Not easy because most of our time as practitioners is spent seeing how much we can't help but do that. That's why it's called the path. It's called the path, and this is why we call it. It's like footsteps until it's not. It's just, and we, we, we look at it, because we're looking at so much difficulty in our own mind, in our own heart, in our own uh, mental activity, it doesn't look like progress in the conventional or the mundane or materialistic sense, and it's not. It's more like losing something than gaining something. It's like losing your reference points. Who you are, if you find out who you are, you don't need reference points. You don't need any reference points because reference points are separate. And you're not separate from anything. It's almost like magic. Except it's not like magic. So the interesting thing is when we uh, when something arises that's difficult or challenging or, or we're feeling maybe guilty or feeling some shame or feeling anything at all, don't correct, don't add, don't interpret. Don't figure anything out. If you need to figure something out, then you'll know. But if it's that figuring out is based on hoping to get away from it or fear that it's going to track you down, hope and fear situation, then it's going to start going and it's going to go in circles and it will just, it'll just keep uh, um, being reborn over and over and over. Possibly in your everyday life, possibly in your nightmares. <clears throat> and feeling when you're in the texture of uh, your own personal feeling or emotional dynamic where things are challenging and difficult, even if it's something you don't know what it is, like it's commonly called the feeling comes up that's very negative and has all this space around the points. And you don't know what it is. So we say, well, depression. We'll call it depression. Don't do that. We'll call it if you call it depression, it's just like you stop looking at it because uh, don't wanna, you don't really want to deal with it. You want to be rid of it. And what happens when you want to be rid of something? 
then the separation between you and that becomes even more intense. But don't name it. Yeah, and as, as I sometimes uh, playfully say, give it another name. If you can't stop naming it, then change the damn name to something else. Change every time you feel, start to feel depressed, instead of saying depression, call it a kitchen table. And then if that starts to look pretty gloomy, then call it something else. I wouldn't get too cheerful about it. We're not trying to get rid of the depression. We're trying to see what is, what is that, that that has that negativity that doesn't seem, you can't seem to find a post-it note anywhere that tells you what that is and where it came from. You don't need to know where it came from. Uh, knowing where it came from is a trap. There isn't anything else but this. I'll say it again. There isn't anything but this. And when you start to see that, you'll notice how your your whole dynamic, your mind is constantly saying, that's not true, that's not true. There's everything. There's the world, there's the trees, there's my family, there's my thoughts, there's my, there's my depression. This is why the sitting practice of meditation is so powerful. If you can, if you have the, the intention, the guts, the stamina, the stubbornness, I call it transcendental stubbornness. I'm going to do this no matter what happens. I'm going to see what this is for myself. You don't have to believe in anything. I don't believe in this, nor do I disbelieve in it, nor do I look away from it. That's those. Those are the three that it's a misunderstanding that are the the allies. If you bind any one of those, that's the sidekick of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Passion, it's true. Uh, aggression, it's not true. And ignorance, who cares? Questions are good if you have them. Sometimes you talk about triggers resonating with our unexamined negativity. Yes. And I'm wondering if, as a practitioner, we're always going to have unexamined negativity. Probably. You're never going to get to the bottom of it. Why? There's no bottom. There's only a bottom to something something that is uh, separate. It's, it's without a bottom. It's without a top. It's without a middle. I have a, a bunch of really good answers. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, when our negativity seems to come up so spontaneously that there's, it sounds like there's no warning. Yes. I'm wondering how we can kind of break into that cycle. So for each person, it would be different. Uh, for someone who's a strong meditator, who's practicing a lot, who's spending a lot of time sitting down, facing a wall, practicing these forms, someone who lives here, or someone who even in a distant place that is practicing, then it can show up a little bit different. But there's no particular protocol for each person. One of the things that I often say is uh, stay with what is actually there. The sense of touch is there, sense of taste, sense of hearing, sense of smell, even the sense of thinking if you don't add anything to it. Thoughts are fine as long as we don't turn them into something else. The thought arises and immediately we want to go to something else. So whatever is occurring, uh, just that. And so you're feeling that you're being ambushed by your feelings because there doesn't seem to be any warning. Suddenly you're going through some kind of a passage that uh, feels negative or difficult or painful or uh, produces anxiety. Am I on the right track here? Or something else? Particularly, particularly around my anger. Anger. So... As you've heard me say before, that's how I got into this situation, because of my own anger. So intense, I was worried that I would get rid of myself or get rid of somebody else. So that's how I got here. And so I would say, do nothing with it. Don't accept it. Don't, don't come up with some kind of philosophy about it. Just go to the texture of the anger and feel the anger. Don't hook up your fist and don't hook up your vocal cords. And so that takes some awareness, too, because there will be a tendency to want to express the anger. The expression is a misunderstanding. The need to express is a misunderstanding about it. More? The rate at which it builds is just exponential. So yeah. I noticed it. 
I notice it more with, with Rumi. Yeah. When he gets upset and I'm just doing everything I can and, and I just I go from like zero to ten and I'm furious. And it's really hard because I can't really walk away from it, but I also can't act it out and it feels just like too much to handle. It's your Dharma path. I had five of them. <laughs> I will learn from your mistakes. <laughs> it's, it's it's challenging, and especially when you have somebody who's completely dependent upon you and completely helpless, and just ha- and is having a fit. So it's really really hard. So I just say, just do the best you can. But you're you're not going to be able to get out of it because what has what is dependently arisen, uh, you can't just stop it by the awareness that everything is dependently arisen. Uh, because the awareness that everything is dependently arisen, and this causes this, causes this, causes this, causes this, on down into infinity, uh, that's going to occur. And so what seems to be necessary is to not separate yourself from it. And to, to feel that. If, if, you, if you do anything with it, the chances of going into yelling or going into some kind of activity or being physically somehow frustrated... Uh, are going to be stronger. So you just about have to uh, re- receive it. Give, give it your give the give the emotion your attention without the help of concepts. No lecturing, like say I, you know, it's difficult to do this because sometimes the lecturing, I need to do this. I I shouldn't feel this way. This is my son, or this is you know this is how, why can't I just be with this? Those kind of things. Those may feel helpful at the time because what they do is they cut off the leading edge of the of the emotion. They can snip off the points to make it a little bit more dull. It feels better at the time, but the problem was snipping off the points by talking to ourselves, lecturing ourselves, using a slogan or something like that. Uh, not that you shouldn't. Not, there are times when you need to use a slogan so you don't punch a hole in the wall. So. Uh, but but there's also a time when you can actually go ahead and take just receive some of that that difficult feeling. Just receive it. Just receive it. Because if you do use a thought thought process uh, like a, I shouldn't feel this way or there I go again or any kind of commentary, you actually abandon the intensity of the emotion and you get a a temporary uh, a temporary hiatus between the intensity of the emotion. So we tend to run away from things even in just in a little. Um, little uh, bits in order to get some relief from it. And it seems that then what's necessary to do is to go into the feeling. I don't think you can do this with the thought process. I think the thought press process will, it could flip on you and it could get difficult. So I think the only way it can be done, as far as I know, train the mind, sit down, spend a lot of time sitting down and watching what the mind does so that when these kinds of situations come up, there's a lot of clarity around it. And probably a lot of difficulty, suffering. <clears throat> More? Sometimes it's difficult because it feels like it comes up already in so much activity. Like, um, yeah. it's not just a thought or a feeling. I mean, it's an entire whirlwind where it yeah. feels like it just lacks any type of intelligence or awareness. That is awareness. To see that it lacks intelligence is awareness. So we're, what we're doing, uh, one way of talking about it, what we're doing as meditators, if, you, if you're intent on this path and you're going to follow it, is we're changing our allegiance over from our thought patterns and our, and our emotions, uh, changing it over to just the space in which those things occur. It's like instead of being a table, instead of being this, instead of being this, instead of being this, just the space. It's just the space in which things show up, including our mind. And I, I don't know of anything, any way to do it other than just practice and continue and be uh, determined. One of the ways we do that is to put others before ourselves. Put Rumi before yourself. Not easy, because a lot of that is seeing how much you can't quite do that. Even though he's your son, and I, ideally, and idealistically, we could do that, of course. I'm the dad, and this is my son. And But when it comes right down to the nuts and bolts area, not easy. Very difficult to be uh, have the ability to respond without hope, passion, fear, aggression, and impatience, and without just shutting off or blocking yourself or going in the other room or just 
or turning up the stereo or whatever it may be. So a little bit of that be helpful. Um, one thing like today, I just got so much I asked Daniel to watch him for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is a little bit of course. Of course. Yeah, you only you are going to know what you can do. Ask for help, by all means. Ask for help. I mean, don't don't. We're not we're not uh, especially in this kind of a situation where it's like a family. So yes, by all means, a person would just say no if they can't. Of course, Dan, Danielle would never say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe once in a while. More about that. That's good. If you. So, yes. Um, when that intensity comes up, it seems like there's an immediate fear that that energy or emotion will completely subsume me and yes. some sort of reaction will come up. So that fear seems to shut it down. Can I see what's... Can I feel the texture of the emotion if the fear is there? Yes. That's the only way you can feel it. Until you see what it is, the fear, the emotion, and even the concepts that may be knocking at the door trying to help you. Well, this is just this. Well, this is just this. Well, this is because of this, because you're not drinking enough water. You're, uh, And it's not that, that some of those relative things couldn't have some say-so in it. But it's not it's not particularly helpful in the middle of the swamp uh, or of the, the tsunami of emotion to be able to reach out to abstractions like concepts and thinking and judgments. Maybe later on you might be able to contemplate some of that or work with it. But in the midst of the situation, if you can, lose the war. Be be, be at a loss. This is the way that the self-centeredness eventually gets starved. Just, a, just an image. I don't know if that happens or not. But something about the self-centeredness needs to lose on a very, very deep level. So that it doesn't, so it doesn't get resuscitated. This is quite often what you're doing is you're resuscitating the, the self-centeredness a little bit when you say, there I go again. Because at least you're saying, you're noticing that there I go again. So there needs to be a complete uh, a loss. As uh, Trungpa Rinpoche uh, once said, uh, that ego does not want to witness its own, uh, or wants to witness its own funeral, but it can't because it's a, it's a funeral. So it's going to have to die. Just a, another metaphor that helps us see how really, really deep this situation is. More? Could receiving that emotion or actually looking at it result in it expressing itself in a way that's embarrassing somehow? It could. It could. It's it's risky. There's no guarantee. So it's risky. The but without a strong path, without a strong, some kind of a strong uh, backbone to your life, which to me is, uh, is the sitting practice of meditation, is the Dharma itself, for, for us anyway, maybe not for billions of other people, but, but for us, this is what, what we're, we're going to use these teachings coming down to us from centuries and centuries ago. So yes, there, there, could, there could be that. You'd have to risk that. But there's also the possibility that you could go in and actually be, be genuine and actually have feel not be separate from the separate from the emotions actually be the emotion there isn't any one there's just the emotion that's why it's so terrifying to ego because it, the, the ego feels like the emotion is going to overwhelm it more when it already turns that emotion into concrete how can I feel the texture of it I think you basically said it. You're using that that same metaphor that, that concepts tend to concretize something. And so this is what's called fixation. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, concepts and ideas and thinking and analysis and logic and all of that, of course. But when it when it when it starts to uh, take the form of weaponry or defensiveness or armor plate, then then we have uh, issues and problems. So you might have to start out by noticing the 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 concrete quality of it. 
just be with it. Don't don't try to stop that. Don't don't stop it. Don't don't try to dissolve it. Don't do anything with it. Awareness. If 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 it's going to dissolve at all, it'll happen through awareness. And what is awareness? Uh, I can say very literally, it is the space between things until you realize what it is, and then it's not separate from the things. But that's realization. Once that occurs, there's war for every everywhere, and there's peace everywhere, not separate. War and peace, not separate. Peace is always the case. Shoto. Using your image of like the leading edge, and you were talking about um, like some concept might snip off the tips of the. Is um, yes. Is letting just the leading edge come to us help to take some of that energy out of it? Uh, it can, and how, the, what I would want to say further is the way we learn to do that is dealing with it on the cushion, holding very still, without being rigid, and watching that. If you, unless you do a lot of it, you're not going to be introduced to that because. Uh, our self-centeredness wants to keep us away from that if possible. But if you sit enough, eventually you'll start to see that aspect of your personal way of working with things. More? It seems I can um, kind of contort that for my own use, like where by sitting with that, I expect some kind of off-gassing or some kind of... So just... Just don't stop the expectation, but use it as a, it's like what we call a Dharma gate. It's a, notice that, you're, that you have expectations about it. Don't get rid of the expectations. We're not trying to improve. This is not self-improvement. That's, there's lots of places where people are working on themselves where they're trying to do that, and they need to do that. So I'm not, I'm not uh, a dispute with anybody about that. Some people really need, might need to work on that part of their life, just like some people need to, uh, a theistic orientation towards their spiritual path. That's, they should. It's good. Do whatever whatever works for you. And so it's always about awareness of what's happening rather than seeing what's happening as some kind of a uh, expectation that you should either get rid of or do anything with it at all. Just notice it. Yes? Does the intensity... Um, that we feel suffering ever change. Yeah, comes and goes. But at some point, what happens instead of the intensity going away, instead of your life going away, <coughs> instead of all the, the sharp points of your life and the abrasiveness of your life, is you won't mind. Pain and pro- pleasure, not two different things anymore. As Trungpa Rinpoche said, uh, pain and pleasure have become, I think it's something like ornaments, which, which is uh, pleasant to wear or something like that. It's kind of close. In the side of Mahamudra. We just did that the other day. So he, he was using images there to say, you know, from a certain point of view, pleasure is pain. I don't mean that you have to change your whole idea about that, but you could you could look at his their nerve endings. They're either nerve endings on the tip of your fingers, nerve endings on what you're seeing, nerve endings in your brainstem or your sensorium, however you want to look at that, there's a sensitivity that's happening there. And if there's no self, no other, if there's no solid one who's trying to win or trying to not lose or trying to support themselves or to protect themselves, this doesn't mean that you're, you're stupid about it. You're not going to walk into, the, into traffic. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're shutting down. It means you're, you're working with your, using your awareness to understand what your relationship is to this apparent otherness we call the environment, to the apparent otherness we call other human beings. You. What's happening when uh, a changing or morphing emotion is coming to us? I don't, I don't understand your question. What's happening? I could just repeat what you said. Give me a nice, crisp question. Like a cornflake. <laughs> I 
should have known that. That kind of image is not going to help. He's thinking about food. <laughs> Crisp, you know what I'm saying? A strong, a strong question about that, and that, that way I can respond because my, your question and my response are not two different things. Is a multifaceted emotion. Well, to say that it's multifaceted just means that you can't find the head or the tail of it. You see that it has a, it's complex. So that would be would be awareness, but you don't have to add the the commentary or the diagnosis or the analysis that it's multifaceted. You can see. Uh, facets, and you can see the multiplicity of something without any comment on it. As soon as you comment, it, it, it actually abandons, uh, the mind abandons what it's looking at and, and uh, goes back into the concepts because it feels safe. Self-centered mind, ego mind, the seventh consciousness, as it's talked about in the Yogacara tradition, uh, wants the, the reference point. It'll, t it'll even take negative reference points, like shame. Shame is a really powerful uh, nourishment for ego. But how do we work with that? Awareness. Don't try to get rid of it. Don't use concepts or judgments or ideas to analyze it, analyze it or take it apart or, or anything like that. Try to see what, is the, what, is, what actually is that. Yes, sir. Can there be gratitude without subject and object? Of course. What does that look like? It looks like this. Complete appreciation for everything. From roses to dog shit. It's not that you don't see the difference between those, but you, you, you appreciate what this is and you receive it. That's the important, another, the part of generosity that I'm always talking about is uh, the giving that you need to do is to give everything your attention. Don't hold out. Give everything your attention. That doesn't mean that you have to turn somebody's, turn your checking account over to someone, but give everything your attention. Be aware of what's happening around you. And then whatever comes your direction, receive it. This doesn't mean that if it's uh, a... Um, uh, something that's threatening, that you have to receive that. A way of receiving that might be to step aside so that it can continue to go. If it's a, 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 like a water buffalo, I'll stand in the way of that. I haven't seen too many of those around here. So appreciation is about seeing and being, not objecting to the space in which things occur. Uh, the tricky way that the ego does with that is it, ex it objects to the object and because it can name it, it can judge it, it can describe it. But what you're actually doing from the ultimate point of view is you're objecting to the space. Because whatever occurs, the most important thing about what occurs is the space in which it occurs until you see, until you see ultimately what is going on is that the space and the phenomena are not two separate things anymore. And of course, don't believe anything I say. Shut up. Um, with your title of uh, building walls with the mind, I'm wondering if we see that a wall has already been built, is there anything to, to do to help that not be the case? Just, just look at it. You mean like in your situation with something in your life where you kind of shut something out, speaking personally? Or just look at it. The best way to work with that is on the cushion. Sit down, hold still. The most important thing about sitting meditation is stillness. Even if it's only for three minutes, and then you wiggle it some more. It's like monkey and frog meditation, which I've been teaching forever. I had to teach myself that because nobody would teach me that. Everyone just taught me frog meditation. I just about killed myself. I am not a frog. <laughs> took a couple decades to find that out. So, in other words, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the mind, which is continually patching things up, is continually building walls. 
is continually building uh, structures that protect it or generate. Uh, anytime you hear anyone that, uh, that expresses an opinion on anything, there's a wall being built. Now, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that. It's just about awareness. Just be aware that that's what that is. Be aware that there's no way you can know anything for sure. Go ahead. Is, is that wall the same thing as the Dharma gate? If you see it, yes. If you see that you're building a wall, that's a Dharma gate. Because what's behind that wall is what you're trying not to look at. Because it may be threatening. Does it matter how we built the wall? Give me an example. Give me an example of three ways, and I'll tell you which one's the best one. <laughs> I get you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> or, or rephrase your question, so it, because it, you know it's kind of a. I don't really have conversations when I sit up here, uh, because if I did, then I wouldn't say much. Andrew. Is the thought that there's nothing I can do ignorance? The first time you do it, no. Like the initial, nothing I can do kind of thing. Thought about that. If, if it continues, then, then there's uh, something a little fishy about that. There, it's good because first time is just that. The next time it becomes a brick. More? That's a good question. If you want to go deeper into that, I'll try to track along behind you somewhere. What's different about the first time? I think just because it's just a genuine, it just shows up. It, it's it's like a, like a, the Vidyata would say, first thought, best thought. And he wasn't saying it's an actual thought, but the, the first uh, kind of thing that arises in consciousness is, is, is thought-like, but it doesn't have the uh, it still has a, a quality of, uh, of um, uh, looseness or pliability there. So there's nothing I can do. You, you, when you feel that, then you, f then you uh, flesh it out with the statement, there's nothing I can do, or the thought, there's nothing I can do. But what happened just before then is the actual situation. Uh, you can actually uh, understand what the thought process is if you continue to look at it and not particularly fuel it or, or use it to manipulate your life or your reality or your world or get your way or to prevent things. You eventually begin to understand the difference between consciousness or awareness or, and thought patterns. What is a thought pattern? Damn if I know. Weird, aren't they? You'd know better than I would. You're more of a thinker, aren't you? Kind of. Would you say he's more of a thinker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason's old friend from school. Yeah. So, but uh, since you've come here and living at the monastery, your thinking process is going through some changes. We've even talked about that recently. And I would say, just let let it do whatever it needs to do. Don't fret about it at all. Don't add any comment on what's happening. Continue to practice, which is what you've been doing. Does continuing to look at something mean looking at the same thing? Can it change in front of you? And yeah, it's not, be, yeah, nothing lasts. You can never look at the same thing twice. There's no way. Everything is there's. This is what you begin to see when you realize when you begin to see that you you aren't anyone. You realize that whatever this is, this body mind is here. But even that is going through what aging, changing. Sickness, aging, and death. And then the thought process tries to hold on to some kind of identity. <laughs> it's called a cosmic joke. But if you see it and you, you're no longer at war with anything, then I'm not saying that you're thrilled to death about it. 
but you're, you understand. You understand that things are doing whatever they need to do based on the causes and conditions that arise, uh, the tributary streams that are flowing in the darkness that are completely vast and unsearchable. We can't even count them, there's so many, that provide us with what? This moment as an apparent uh, ontological or phenomenological situation of building walls, people, uh, bald heads. Anna Maria from Brooklyn, New York, has a multifaceted question. Oh, give me the first facet. <laughs> no, I want the facet in between the other facets. She's a Libra. She should be able to do that. <laughs> Rather than shutting it down? I didn't think about that. <laughs> she asks, can naming it alternately and or alternatively deepen the investigation rather than shutting it down. So I, I'm not going to say that it can. So it's possible. But it has been my experience that naming tends to stop things and solidify them. And, and naming, actually, there's a practice, a meditation practice that I was taught early on of uh, naming thoughts and returning to the breath. It's called uh, shine, or resting in uh, tranquility, calm abiding. I'm not saying it doesn't have its value, but you need to be working closely with a teacher if you're going to do that kind of a practice. Otherwise, you tend to create a cement block that looks like a meditator. It's not. It's a cement block. So, a little bit. It's not so much about stopping the naming. It's not so much about not doing that at all. It's about being aware that, that something happens and you add. Something else happens and you judge or subtract. You, you, whatever it is has its own uh, in, 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 uh, inherent or innate value as something that's appearing. So it has its all the credential it needs, but we want to take away from it, we want to judge it, so we subtract. Uh, or else we, it's not good enough, we want an explanation or we want a description of it. So it's this, it's that, it's this, it came from here, Th this person sent it. Well, this wouldn't be happening if it weren't for them. Well, this wouldn't be happening if, this, if it weren't for me. It's just a constant... Uh, as Lawrence Ferlinghetti said, uh, Coney Island of the mind. On and on and on. One damn thing after another. Don't stop it. Don't agree with it. Don't turn away from it. Just aware. Just aware. Just receive. Just give it your attention and whatever, if something is moving, just receive. And in that way, uh, train, train the mind to see for yourself. So you know, it's not about something to believe in. More? More facets? The last facet, which I think you just <laughs> Two answered. facets. She says, uh, asks, how do we work with terms like shame, depression, rage, that feel viscerally and sensorially accurate and continue the investigation? Yes. Okay, so one of the ways, and we can't get too tricky with this. We come up with all kinds of little uh, ideas, but... One of the ways that I think has, has worked, helped me and has helped some people in the past that I've talked to is just to uh, change, change it, give it another name. And actually, if something is, keeps coming up, some kind of shame comes up, give it another name and don't be too silly with it. Don't try to get, you give a name that's going to help you get rid of it, but just give it a different identity. Um, and at the same time, uh, uh, sometimes when that arises, instead of even naming it at all, just see if through your sitting practice of meditation, you'll get be more and more able to just go down into that. You'll be able to, just a way of talking about it. There's really nothing to go into because it's already the case. So just to not separate yourself from the shame. Like, I shouldn't feel shame or, uh, or fi find some kind of validation or analysis or why you're feeling shame is because of this. They caused it. Well, they made me feel this way. It's not that they didn't. It's not that causes and conditions aren't happening everywhere. But if you buy into that, you're just going to continue to go in circles and look for somebody who's at fault, something that's right, something to correct. And there's a deeper level of, of life uh, called the spiritual path, which, is, which is, uh, is not separate from the mundane path, but at the same time, um, is about awareness. It's not about, not about something else. It's about this. 
further questions? Kevin. How do we bring what's called trauma into the path when I well, just leave it at that? So don't don't bring it into the path. Uh, if there's trauma with you or with anyone, and if 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 I were to talk to somebody, uh, it would depend uh, somewhat on what I what I was getting from them or what I understood by talking to them. I would say don't don't worry about that for a while. Just practice. Just sit down and hold still. Don't even call it meditation. Uh, call it fish and chips. No, sit down, hold still, fish and chips. Holding very, very still allows us to see the very slight, subtle movements in what we call the mind. I don't even know if there is such a thing as a mind. I don't know if there is such a thing as thoughts. But if we have something coming along like trauma where somebody's been severely abused or it's going through intense uh, suffering where, they're, where the, the configurations in their mind, in the, the Yogacara tradition would say, uh, uh, the Ali Vajnana, the storehouse consciousness, the sixth, seventh, and eighth consciousness, uh, that whole kind of persona that shows up as me, me and my world, my stuff, and my trauma, then that, as my understanding is, um, maybe you should maybe you should go to a psychiatrist or, or I don't know or trust yourself which doesn't mean believe your thoughts but if you come this direction then I'm going to say sit down and do it day after day after day and do it a lot it's not about believing in anything but the thing uh, way I've been talking to people lately who are having a lot of difficulty is block sitting sit down hold still for four hours and that doesn't mean do it like a military thing. You've got to go to the bathroom, get up and go, then come back. Need a drink of water, go get it, come back. Hold still, hold still, hold still. And then if your leg hurts, move your leg and then hold still. And if your, your back is sore, then stretch your back a little bit and then hold still some more. It's the stillness that helps us to see the, the movement that is so very, very subtle. And it's about seeing the movement. It's about the awareness of the movement, not about doing something about the movement. Hard to, it's hard to keep your hands off from that stuff when you can see it so clearly you want, not just you, but me. Uh, that's how I know about it. You want to get in and just stop it or manipulate it. I'm starting to see very clearly what I've been doing. I want to stop that. Don't do it. If you want to, if you want to help others, uh, first make friends with yourself. And how do you do that? No more war. Lose the war. Lose it. Lose it in your gut and uh, lose it in your frontal lobe. Yes, sir. One more. You used the metaphor of a car that doesn't run the other day and just looking at the parts that worked. Yes. What is the problem of us as a car not running? No gas. I'm not sure, I, I, I'm following you a little bit, but I want to make sure uh, I, I understand your, the way you're using that metaphor. So you talked about uh, the car not running because the transmission's broken and just looking at the engine. Um, but I guess I'm not sure what the problem is, if, if there is a problem. Okay, so the idea there is to, instead of jumping to a conclusion about some aspect of the mind, mm -hmm. some aspect of the car, is uh, stop trying to do anything with it. Uh, return to square one. Go back to the roots. And you can't go back to the roots because you can't see them. The very nature of roots is to be out of sight. So you can't do it that way. So you have to stay with what is apparent. You have to stay with the, the tree and the leaves and the birds and the bees and all that stuff that's, that's right here. Look at that and eventually you'll be able to see the root. But until that time, we're going to see parts that are not working, that need repair, or this shouldn't happen, or that shouldn't happen. Just using a tree as a metaphor instead of a of a car, but a car has its own kind of root quality to it, and it's a it's a car, and you can drive it, but not if things deep in the, the, the structure of that are are unaligned or out of balance or not working or not communicating with each other. So it seems to be necessary to take our this metaphor of of a consciousness of of a car, of a tree, of a human being, and sit down, hold still and turn that, you know, as it's been said in all kinds of traditions, go within, 
don't abandon this, but spend a lot of time looking down and, and the, the feeling of not knowing is what it feels like to go into a jungle. You, you don't go into a jungle that you necessarily have a roadmap to. You might have something to say, this is a tree, this is a rock, this is a hole in the ground, this is a tiger. I need those. Other than that, uh, you know, you... Other than that, it's about going into that not not knowing, not knowing, not knowing. Go deep into that. More? Final question about walls of the mind? Building walls? Danny? Can we... Um, can we fully see someone's suffering or confusion if we're having intense emotions related to a situation? I think we, we might be confused about whose emotions we're having. Sometimes that uh, it might sound like a downside, but that, that might not be such a bad thing to have, be having feelings we're not sure if it's theirs or ours or we just feel emotional. And so uh, the question is, can we, if we're having intense emotions, can we see someone else's? Probably not. We might be so involved in our own subjectivity. But, but still, it's the beginning. Just to be, even ask that question means that the awareness is, all, is already expanding beyond. For you to ask that question means you're already in your own emotional uh, uh, entrainment. And, and, but, but there's enough oxygen there, enough air. You've been spit, sitting quite pretty regularly for the last few months. So there's a, there's a lot more openness to actually including someone else's uh, dynamic in there. So I would say that's a, that's a path quality. It means you're, at, you're actually moving in that, uh, in that area that we, we call um, deep consciousness. So you're, you're going deeper into that rather than just going into the conceptual idea, these are my feelings, these are, this is how I feel, look what's happened to me. Uh, why did she, he, she, they do this? Uh, I don't deserve this, and those kind of things. Instead, you're feeling the the emotions, and you're you're endeavoring. Even by the question, you're endeavoring to ask about others. Follow me. More about that. Is there a way to? receive their confusion receive your own start with your own your own feelings and stop fighting with yourself uh, stop agreeing stop disagreeing don't do anything with that I'm not saying you can't at times you can't step you could say uh, metaphorically step away from your own subjectivity into really supporting someone else where that's going to happen but it's not particularly reliable as long as there's some kind of internal struggle that has, has been uh, gone unnoticed or is being pushed down. <clears throat> so this is what you're doing. This is what, I, what it's about. Sit here and, and meditating is getting to know yourself in a deep enough level that you're actually going down into areas that, that you may have been shut off from or not willing to look at. And you're beginning to do that. More. Very good, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, um, Stan, to dedicate the merit at the back of our red champlets. And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support. Thank you. May the merits penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the best way.
and directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokosoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs> 